you need to see the heart of God today. And you need to see Jesus for what he's really doing here. Yes, he's washing dirt and grime off of the feet of his disciples, but what he's doing is he's showing us that he is the God who humbles himself to wash us clean. That's who he is for us. We need to recognize that that when we come before Jesus, we are dirty, rotten sinners in need of a cleaning, and he's the one who does that for us. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintigard.com. So today, we are coming into one of my favorite accounts in the Bible. And it's one of my favorites because it's got some family history to it for me. I am the youngest of seven kids. Uh, There are three boys and three girls ahead of me, and my three older brothers are all pastors. (laughs) Um, And one of my sisters is married to a pastor. And and on all of our graduation days from the seminary, my parents gifted us a, a painting of this account. You see Jesus, and he's on his hands and knees, and he is washing Peter's feet. He's illustrating the gospel. It's beautiful what he's doing, showing us his love in this way. So this is one of my favorite accounts, and I'm so excited to be able to share it with you today. To give you a little bit of context of where we're at, we have been moving through the book of John uh, all the way since Christmas, and we're going to be keeping going all the way up into Easter And we're in John chapter 13 this morning. If you'd like to pull it out on your phone or if you brought your Bible with you. um, John does something cool here. He spends five full chapters talking about Thursday night of Holy Week. He spends five full chapters talking about just what happened during that dinner and what happened in the garden afterwards. And there is a theme. There is a theme here to these five chapters. It's love. There's the love that Jesus has for his Father, that his Father has for him, that that Jesus has for us, and and the love that he wants us to show to others. It's love. That's the theme of these chapters. You can go and count these on your own if you like, but I counted 31 times that love is mentioned in these five chapters. And in that love, Jesus gives us an example to follow. He illustrates the self-sacrificing, humble patience and service of the King of Kings. So we'll get into this. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. After we finish reading this, this is kind of our tradition here at Hope. After we finish reading the gospel message, I'll say thanks be to God, and I'll ask you to join in with me in saying, or sorry, I'll say this is the gospel of the Lord, and you'll join in with me in saying thanks be to God. So we'll we'll do that together after we read this gospel reading. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he 
got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that, I have to- now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the gospel of our Lord. I get a little bit jealous of John. I think the jealousy has kind of been bubbling up in me ever since we started this sermon series back in January. I've been, we've been seeing all the things that John got to see, right? He got to see Jesus change water into wine. He probably got to taste the wine. We got, he got to see Jesus feed those thousands of people with just a few small fish and loaves of bread. He got to see Jesus walk on water. He got to see Jesus raise a man from the dead. He got to hear all these beautiful teachings, and now he's sitting at Jesus' right hand at the Last Supper. He's the one that Jesus loves. And that jealousy has kind of bubbled up in me. But I think what pushed it over the top was the fact that as John wrote his gospel many years later, he got to have special insight into the mind of Jesus. As he was inspired to write by the Holy Spirit, he got to know what was on Jesus' mind and what was on Jesus' heart in those last moments. He tells us these things. He says, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. John knew that Jesus was thinking about that. And John says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was going to return to God. And Jesus knew that Judas Iscariot was going to betray him. And then here's the final thing that John reveals to us about what was on Jesus' heart. He says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. John's telling us that Jesus knew what was coming. He knew the betrayal that was about to happen. And he knew the mock trial that he was going to be put through. He, he knew about the crown of thorns. He knew about the whipping. He knew about the cross that he was going to be put on. But he wasn't fixated on that. 
was fixated on his love for his own. And he knew that he would love them to the end. And so in that love, he decides, I'm going to show them what this love looks like. So John tells us that Jesus gets up and he takes off his outer clothing and he wraps a towel around his waist and he starts washing his disciples' feet. Getting your feet washed was normal. This was a a special dinner. This was the Passover meal. And so they would have been pulling out all the stops to make this special and washing the feet would have been one of the things that everyone expected. But you might remember that they were renting this room. Normally, the master of the house would have somebody to wash your feet. They didn't have that. So you kind of wonder. There was a basin in the corner of the room, and there was a towel there. And you kind of wonder if the disciples, one by one, walked into the room thinking about who's going to wash the feet and looking at the basin and the towel and thinking, that's not for me. Washing feet was reserved for the lowest person on the totem pole in a house. This was a humiliating job to take people's dirty, sweaty, stinky feet in your hands and washing them off so that they could be clean for when they ate. Jesus did that. He stood up and said, I'm going to show my disciples my love for them and I'm going to wash their feet with my own hands. And then he gets to Peter And Peter is being gallant here. He sees that this is a humiliating job that his Savior is taking on, and he says, Savior, this is not for you. I'm going to save you from humiliation. You can almost imagine him looking around at the other disciples. How could you let him wash your feet? He's the Savior. He is God. He is the King of kings, and you're letting him do the most humiliating thing he's ever done. He says, Lord, you will not wash my feet. And you might remember that Peter has a lot of learning to do in these 24-hour stretch here. He's got this lesson, then he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he cuts a servant's ear off and Jesus teaches him a lesson about that. And then he goes into the courtyard while Jesus is on trial and, and the rooster crows three times after he denies Jesus and he learns from that too. But I wonder if these words from Jesus stuck with him in a big way. Jesus cuts him to the heart and he says, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part with me. I think we need to talk about what's going on here. This misunderstanding that was going on, the sin that was in Peter at this moment, it was a a misunderstanding. Peter was misunderstanding what Jesus was doing here. And because of that misunderstanding, he was misunderstanding the heart of his Savior. And he was misunderstanding why Jesus had come to the world to save sinners. I mean, here's the big note for the day. This is what I'm hoping that you'll take home with you. What Jesus is doing when he washes his disciples' feet is he is illustrating the gospel. He's illustrating what God's word is about, what the good news of salvation is. The good news of salvation is that people are sinful 
and they need God to come and wash away that sin, even though they don't deserve it. Isn't that what Jesus was doing here? God was coming to people who were dirty, and he was humbling himself to wash them. He's illustrating the gospel. He's illustrating grace. He's illustrating undeserved love. And Peter rejects it. Why? You see, there's something really ugly that's rearing its head here. It's a sin that has wrecked its way through the church. And it has wrecked its way through humanity since the fall into sin. In fact, it was the original sin. It's pride. It was pride in Peter. It was pride in him that made him reject the gospel coming from his Savior. It was pride that made him forget who Jesus is and what he is here for. It's pride that made this man who was so eager to lift Jesus up even higher. It was pride that made him do something that would have separated him from his Savior. And pride is one of those things that is so subtle in people, so subtle, so insidious, and this is why it wrecks its way through people. It wrecks its way through pastors, it wrecks its way through churches, it wrecks its way through Christians, and we're going to talk about all three of those things. Pride wrecks its way through pastors. It was uh, about a year ago now that I was sitting down for coffee with a local church planting pastor. Uh, we had become friends in, in ministry out here, and, and he called me up after his Easter service, and he wanted to sit down with me. And as we sat and drank our coffee, he opened up and, and talked about, he said, I'm so disappointed about the attendance at our Easter service. I worked really hard at this. I did all the right things, and still, people didn't come. He thought he was doing something wrong. He thought he was believing something wrong, that God wasn't blessing his efforts. And, and it became clear that, that his pride as a pastor was wrapped up in production, in the amount of people that he could get to come. And he ended up closing his church because of it. And now when we get together to have a conversation, we, we talk about faith and we talk about whether he has faith. Pride, it, it wrecks its way through pastors. It's so subtle. It is so insidious like that and it wrecks its way through churches too. Um, there is a church up in Seattle that has become a really, really famous and mainstream example of how pride wrecks its way through churches. It was a success story at first. It went from 10 or 15 people, and through the course of, I think, probably 20 years, it became a church of tens of thousands of people. Nationwide church. But that church of tens of thousands fell apart in the space of a couple weeks. It fell apart just like that because it was found out publicly and people came to know that this church was built on the foundation of a pastor 
who was using the church to, to build his brand. And when that became clear to people, the church absolutely fell apart and now there are thousands and thousands of Christians who are left picking up the pieces, trying to figure out what faith is, who God is. Pride, it wrecks its way through pastors, it wrecks its way through churches, it makes pastors forget that Jesus washes their feet too. It makes the church forget that its job is to wash the feet of those inside the church and those outside the church. And pride wrecks its way through Christians too. I think it's something really valuable to remember that Peter was one of the great disciples. He's the one that Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on you. Peter worked really hard. It was his dearest ambition to lift Jesus up and to do everything for him. And yet he was the one here that was on the verge of separating himself from Jesus. Pride does that to us. Pride does that to Christians. So I'll give you a couple examples here. You know, if, if you're thinking that you are a strong Christian who knows everything that you need to know and, and who doesn't have any growth left to gain, isn't that pride? And in that thinking, aren't you stopping Jesus from washing your feet? And if you've got an attitude that that you think that you don't really need to worship all that much, that if you come every once in a while, you'll get what you need because you know you're forgiven and, and you know that Jesus has done this for you no matter what. Isn't that pride too? And aren't we stopping ourselves from getting our feet washed by Jesus? Or if you've got something going on that is absolutely huge in your life right now, a huge problem that you're dealing with and you think it's too big for anyone to deal with and so I can't even bring it to God. Isn't that pride? Aren't we stopping ourselves from letting Jesus wash our feet? I think I could go on like this for a long time. Pride is so subtle. It is so insidious. These are the, the lies that, that the devil tells us that he uses to separate Christians from Christ. And so Jesus cut Peter to the heart and he cuts us to the heart and he says, if you do not let me wash your feet, you have no part with me. If we don't let Jesus wash our feet, if we can't humble ourselves to recognize that, that we are sinful, we are dirty in need of a wash, we have no part with Jesus. And if you're like me, and pride is one of your struggles. It probably is. But you need to see the heart of God today. And you need to see Jesus for what he's really doing here. Yes, he's washing dirt and grime off of the feet of his disciples, but what he's doing us is he's showing us that he is the God who humbles himself to wash us clean. That's who he is for us. We need to recognize that, that when we come before Jesus, we are dirty, rotten sinners in need of a cleaning and he's the one who does that for us, not us. Now that's why we do what we do at the beginning of every single worship service. I know that it's really unique in the Christian world. We begin our worship with confession of sins. 
We begin our worship by bringing the things that we have done wrong to Jesus, and it hurts every single Sunday. But we do that so that we can recognize together how deep our need is for Jesus to wash us clean. And every single Sunday, he does just that. He washes us. He washes us clean. This is the gospel. Thanks be to God. This is what I'm hoping that you can bring home with you today, that Jesus washes us clean, truly clean. Knowing that, now we can kind of move into part two. Jesus illustrated the gospel here. And he also did something else, and he made it really obvious. He said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. But now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. He makes it obvious what he wants us to do. When Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he illustrated the gospel, and he also illustrated the Christian church and the Christian life. He said, you've seen what I have done for you. Now go and do the same. He says, this is how I think of you. And so this is how you can think of yourself and this is how you can think of others. You are someone who, who I have deemed worthy to wash your feet. That means that you can look at yourself as someone who has been washed clean and someone who can be safe to be humble and wash the feet of someone else. And he says, since, since I have washed your feet, you can look at every single other person in the world and view them as worthy of having their feet washed by you. He's illustrating all of that here. That's how the Christian church should work, he says. That's how the Christian life should work. And I know I've been preaching for a long time, so I'll keep it, sh- I'll keep it short here. <laughs> what does washing feet look like here and now today? I'll give you the what and the how and the why. So what is washing feet? Plain and simple, feet washing is living the gospel. It's illustrating the love of God for someone else. And that could, that could come, that could happen in so many different ways. It could come in the form of two words of encouragement. Or it could come in the form of you going out of your way to serve someone else. Or it could come in the form of a touch on the shoulder or an embrace. It's living the gospel. It's illustrating what God has done for us. Anytime that you get humble in your heart and you put somebody else apart before your own, that's washing feet right there. How do you do it? Really, the opportunities are everywhere. Really what it takes is we have to decide to open our eyes to it and look for the opportunities and decide to follow through on that. You know, you you could do it right now. You could look around this church and and find one person and say, I'm going to serve that person. I'm going to wash their feet this week. 
And you could think after church, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find that person, have a conversation, and encourage them. I'm going to say, I really appreciate the way that you do this. Or you could invite them to spend time with you, or you could send them a gift card, or, or you, could, you could just give them a hug. Because you know how far an encouragement goes. You know how much the warmth of an embrace goes. The opportunities are all around us, and if you don't know how to serve a specific person, you can ask. Say, how can I serve you today? How can I love you like Jesus has loved me? And if you don't know who to serve, you can ask me. And if you don't know how to serve the church at large, you can ask me. The opportunities are all around us. We just got to open our eyes to them. So that's the what and that's the how. Now here's the why. Why should we wash each other's feet? First, it's because Jesus washed our feet. We do it because he asks us to. And secondly, because this is a command that comes with a promise. Jesus says, if you do these things, you will be blessed. You will be blessed if you do these things. And I don't think I have to work that hard to show you that that's true. You know how far a word of encouragement can stick with you for weeks and for months. And you know how much it might mean to someone if you go out of your way to serve them in some way. That act of kindness might stick with someone for a lifetime. And you know that the warmth of a physical touch or an embrace, the warmth that is there stays with someone. And then you take that warmth, you take that encouragement, you take that kindness, and then you multiply it because you know that you're not just showing your love, you're showing Christ's love. It's the what, the how, the why of feet washing. Now, people of hope, Jesus has washed your feet and he has loved you to the point of death and he will love you to the end. He proved on the cross. When he washed the feet of his disciples, he showed what he was going to do for us to wash us clean of our sins. Take that home with you. Revel in that washing. And in that washing, this is where we get to wash each other's feet. You can know that you're safe to do this. Because Jesus has washed you first. Can we be that church? That church that its members go out of their way to serve each other and love each other and show the love of Christ to each other. If it's on our own, no. But if it's in the love of Christ, and if it's based on his example of washing our feet and washing us clean of our sins, we can. Jesus has washed you clean.